0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast,
1: TE1. Welcome, everybody, to a new week of the Orange and Brown Report podcast. Jake Burns, I'm back from vacation. Had a wonderful time. Got married. That's cool. Had a great time out in Wyoming. Um, We had uh, some family out there, and and we took the opportunity, Kelby and I, to um, tie the knot. Very small ceremony. We enjoyed it. It was great. It was beautiful, and uh, scenery was awesome, and a great, great little getaway before the season starts. But the season is here. And uh, quite excited to get rolling and start talking about some news that has come down um, of late and uh, some, some some roster things that happened uh, as cuts slimmed down. I'm going to talk with Brent Sobleski, our usual spot here on Thursdays, about... Uh, a myriad of things, and, and and we'll talk about what, later on in this, we'll talk about what we're going to talk about throughout the week, but I'm excited to have Brent here, and, uh, you know, it'll be a good little discussion on a couple different things. Before we get to Sobo, I do want to thank one of our presenting sponsors and let you know that DoorDash has got some great things going here, as you have probably done due to COVID. Um, you know, DoorDash is, is certainly become a very hot topic you know being able to bring things right to your door and keep you out of uh, you know keep you out of a situation where you have to go to a restaurant keep that six foot distance keep you uh, quarantining the folks at DoorDash are proudly sponsoring this podcast now and uh, this app brings you at DoorDash all the food you're craving like I said right to your door and ordering is easy open the DoorDash app choose what you want to eat And your food will be left safely outside your door with new contactless delivery drop-off setting. So, choose from your favorite restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Cheesecake Factory, whatever it may be. That's not ironic, the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery, too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on the way. So right now, our listeners to this podcast can get $5 off their delivery on their first order $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BlueWire that's $5 off zero delivery fee for your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the app store and enter the code BlueWire don't forget that's BlueWire for $5 off your first order make sure you're taking advantage of that so you know keep keep uh, keep your distance as much as you can welcoming in Mr. Sobo how are you my friend
2: I'm doing well, and you are not going to blow past the fact that you got married this past week, good good sir.
1: Congratulations. Hey, welcome to the ranks. (laughs) I thank you. I thank you. I will say this, Sobo. Unfortunately, um, I guess or fortunate whatever. Life is weird, man. Circosia's path to happiness is a real thing. And like Kelby and I have gone through first marriages and uh we we uh we've we've found each other here after first failed marriages, unfortunately. And uh, that's what we kept it small. We've both done big weddings before and wanted to keep it uh keep it small and just and you know, tie this little ceremony with our son and close family and we appreciate all the support we received. Um, social media and friends and everybody who saw and I thank you for telling us thank you and um, we're excited we're excited that uh the future um, is right in front of us and uh, a lot of happiness so I, I thank you my friend
2: you're absolutely welcome it's fantastic and i was the asshole who's contacting you last week about trying to do the show still so that's who i am as a person <laughs> listen i would have
1: done it if i would have been able to but i would have i would have caught some very evil glares at that point so probably absolutely best, best absolutely. i did not do it well listen some things happen man i'm gonna i'm gonna throw you in the Um, on the spot while I was out obviously the Browns trimmed down the roster uh, to the 53 and we're going to talk more at the OBR late this week about what the Browns can do with their practice squad what they can do bringing a couple players up if you've not heard about those rules you can bring a couple players up I think three times throughout the season from your practice squad to be on the active 55 man roster Uh, that doesn't necessarily determine that you get on the 47 or 48 man game day roster but um you can bring those guys up a couple times a year i think after the third time they have to go through the typical waiver practice uh... Um, practice team protocol but I think you get three times for a player so uh, they expanded those rosters and the Browns will have an opportunity to keep a couple extra guys if they want to and on game day dressed 47 instead of 46 and then 48 if they are going to keep an a, an offensive lineman there so uh, opportunities for guys to get in, a, a, you know a chance this year it's going to be a weird injury year more so than normal um, we have seen pretty good COVID numbers but that doesn't mean it's going to Stay the same when teams start going to other places and other cities and other stadiums and around other teams. So we are not in the thick of uh, what will be the most exposure-type uh, setting, so we'll keep our eye on that. But the, the roster trim down did happen. We're, so were there any big surprises for you that popped off uh, um, when they decided to cut it down to 53 and before they added those uh, those two waiver wire transactions?
2: Well, looking at it, when we set or at least I sat down in the OBR's premium forums. I put together final 53. I got 49 of the 53 correct, and two of them I got wrong, where guys were cut so they could be replaced by those off the waiver wire, which, well, excuse me, one of them was eventually cut. So uh, with the acquisition of Ronnie Harrison, it was J.T. Hassel. And we kind of expected something was going to happen there. We just didn't know exactly what at that time. Um, looking at it, It's no surprise whatsoever that Andrew Berry immediately uh, went after defensive linemen because they have all offseason. They've attempted to address it over and over again, whether it be defensive end or defensive tackle. So you can bring in Vincent Taylor. You bring in um, Joe Jackson as depth. These are guys are developmental guys. Taylor a little further along in his as a 26-year-old, um, can step in as a one technique immediately. Behind Larry Joby kind of gives you a little bit more of that physical presence that you're now lacking because you lost Andrew Billings to opting out this year. So those those moves made sense. Don't, I, and I joked about this a little bit, but I, honest honestly, this was the first year I can remember since covering the Browns and basically since their return where i thought the more most concerning aspect of this entire process when you go down to the final 53 technically it's 55 but those are practice squad call-ups was that it was more pertinent to get certain guys on the practice squad than worry about plucking others off the waiver wire from other teams and i don't that that is that says so much jake about where this organization finally stands from a talent perspective and where this roster could potentially go than anything else I can possibly think of. Because when you have guys like A.J. Green being cut and Alex Taylor, who whom they didn't end up signing, he does have a knee issue at the moment, then you know you're doing something right. That's one, not only are you filling out the roster completely, but second of all, you're identifying talent at a high level, even among your undrafted free agents. And those are both major positives. As long as everything can pull together from an organizational perspective with Kevin Stefanski leading the way, then this is a team that can finally maybe get on a winning track. And actually, I, I know maybe I'm blowing it out of proportion, but that's what I saw just based on the final roster cutdowns. And, and I'm extrapolating a little bit.
1: Yeah, I'm certainly, um, you know, it's 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 tougher this year than any other year. And you would agree with this uh, in the fact that we, we, we don't get to watch enough like you know if even if you're a spectator you could go to three or four of these things and get a good vantage point and have a feel but you know we are relying on the word of mouth of of people covering the team who are not talking to coaches and making up depth charts and and that's a reminder that the depth charts that have been released are not official those are those are certainly media members of the browns who are making educated guesses based on maybe conversations that they've had on the side or little you know observations that they've had so don't get crazy about those. But like a good example is, is Donovan Alumba, who people were really surprised and I was surprised, too. But it makes sense that, that the Browns, um, you know, they have they have full practice tape, man, and they're watching everything. And just because a guy makes one interception doesn't necessarily mean that he's not jacking up other coverages or missing his rotation rules or whatever it could be, not tackling well in space and and at that point, the Browns, you know, if you're a spectator watching on the side or maybe somebody, re, you know, reporting on Browns live, it's like, oh, he made an interception, but it doesn't make up for five other terrible plays that potentially were made that we couldn't see or poor technique in individual period or uncoachability, whatever it could be. So, um, you know, we're a little surprised by that. Some of those guys they brought back that I was surprised about. AJ Green, I was a little bit surprised about. They brought him back. So it's like um, nothing crazy, which is cool. You know, there there weren't any Carl Nassibs or anything like that where you were like, what? But then um, I think that speaks to where you're at too. So, but with this is like they 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 have a nice little setup here, and they're finally in a position where there aren't that many surprises to be had. So that that's a good thing, and I think they added a couple guys on the defensive line. It was good to see them get rid of Chad Thomas. That experiment clearly was not working. Um, I don't think it was ever going to work. Uh, ironically enough, bringing in a teammate of his um, to to you know fill that fourth or f- sorry that fifth defensive end role. We will we will see how it shakes out there with Jackson, but. I have no complaints. I thought they did a nice job getting the roster structured the way they wanted it to. Um, perhaps maybe adding another linebacker was something that many people were interested in, but that did not seem to be a course they wanted to go with. They like the group they have. So uh, we will see how it goes, and they will be tested extremely early. And we're going to talk about that test with Baltimore. But before we shift there, I want to ask you about Kareem Hunt. This is a big topic, obviously, um, kind of hinted at by, by Twitter a little bit. Uh, a couple of days before this actually took place, but they do sign him to a two-year $13.25 million extension with eight and a half guaranteed, and, um, you know, that'll kick in. The Browns gave him a second-round tender this past offseason, which showed us that they were very into keeping him and valued him. Uh, I don't think that was a secret. This is an interesting signing at an interesting time. I'm curious your thoughts about it, Sobo, first, and then your thoughts about what it says about the future of the position with, uh, you know, a perennial pro bowler all pro player and Nick Chubb anchoring the in the position right now
2: well first of all Jake let me take a step back for a second because something you pointed out I want to reiterate the depth chart listed on clevelandbrowns.com is unofficial just because David Njoku is listed third overall which is now is not listed as a Y tight end or F tight end I think it's F they're using as their designation as their basically their back role and Kevin's the de- Offense, does not mean he's actually third on the depth chart. <laughs> there was a huge stink about that for literally no reason whatsoever because people don't understand it's the PR people within the organization that create those depth charts as Jake mentioned, not the coaches. Again, let me repeat, not the coaches. They don't take the time to sit down with those to put together the depth chart on the internet site. So now that I have that out of the way because I know it came up multiple times in the last few days Let's look where the depth chart does stand at running back, and I think this is a big deal from a long-term financial perspective when you have Kareem Hunt now under contract through the 2022 campaign. Why? Nick Chubb's rookie deal ends after the 2021 campaign. Now, looking at it, how do you move forward at the position? Look, we understand that running back in general is devalued, and it's more likely than not the Cleveland Browns aren't going to invest a top of the market value deal even for a player of Nick Chubb's caliber because of their philosophy within the organization how they want to build out their roster. They're going to more than likely invest a major deal in Denzel Ward as long as he stays healthy and or Baker Mayfield. Now with with Baker you can slow play it a little bit because you have the fifth year option plus the franchise tag you may want to utilize since he's a quarterback. And furthermore, you just want to see his development over the next year or two before making that type of gargantuan investment that it's required for the position. Running back, the opposite is true. In Nick Chubb's case, and this is very similar to what Kareem Hunt just accomplished, if you want to get the type of deal to stay in Cleveland, you want to do it early and you want to do it at a team-friendly price. Now, as a player, why would you do that? Well, it's very simple. You get out from under your rookie contract, you have long-term security, and that the guaranteed number is far more important overall. And so when Kareem Hunt had an opportunity, he knew that he was signing a below-market value deal for what his potential services could be next offseason. I mean, he could have been the number one running back on the market, depending on how things worked out this fall. And as such, even at what's essentially just over $6 million, he's a top 10 paid running back over the, the following two two years. But the number itself is so much lower than what you're looking at as the top paid players at the position. So you look at a Christian McCaffrey, you look at Zeke Elliott, you look at Le'Veon Bell, even, yes, David Johnson, who's still out there, and what Derrick Henry signed this offseason, as well as Joe Mixon. Those are both, are, are those all named? There are $12 million or more annually. So when you juxtapose where Hunt is in his career, who he used to be, a.k.a. the NFL's leading rusher, as compared to those who already sit at the top of the market, it's a very fair deal for the Cleveland Browns and why the team would jump at that opportunity to re-sign him. Not only does it give them stability, just in case they aren't willing to do one of these types of uh, top-end contracts with Nick Chubb, but at the same time, maybe it entices Nick Chubb into working on a deal sooner rather than later to make sure he gets paid. I wouldn't expect him to sign anything near to the level what Kareem Hunt just signed for it. if it was closer to maybe Joe Mixon. And this is something that you mentioned, Jake. I remember on Twitter when that extension occurred, it would make sense for Cleveland to strongly consider that option because that a Nick Chubb, who by all rights should have been the league's leading rusher last year, who statistically, if you look at the advanced metrics, works harder than any other back in the league because he gets less space to run in, yet creates more after each each carry after contact. He would be well worth the investment. But it comes down to where you look at as an organization and how you feel it's necessary to build and where to place your financial assets. And so that's the question you're looking at. If Nick Chubb steps in this offseason or this season and just absolutely explodes through Kevin Stefanski's offense, it doesn't mean necessarily that he's going to get a major deal a year or two from down the line. In fact, I would argue it's the opposite. It's that it's a situation where he probably prices himself out of Cleveland's market. And so that's why there's so many moving parts. Just by having Hunt make this deal now, you you have an insurance plan that best serves the entire organization with a quality back at least for the next projected three seasons.
1: Yeah, that's the biggest thing to me is even if there's a stalemate with with you know Nick Chubb and trying to figure that out and the Browns draw draw, you know, draw a hard line with that whole process, it's at least they have some I mean they'll have a player there that is is of elite company, and um, you know I think I think Kareem probably knew that he wasn't going to get big money. <laughs> I don't think that was a um, surprise at all for him. He knew he would have to maybe take a contract that was that was uh, not on par with his talent or early career production. And I think it works for the Browns as long as Kareem stays on the right path, which he seems to be going down the right path of late. And uh, you hope that can continue for him. And uh, the Browns see it as a way to, you know, solidify a position that could have some mystery surrounding it in the coming years, especially if Nick Chubb has a pretty big season. And I, I expect him to have a pretty big season until I don't see it. Um, you know, I, I even even with, you know, this has been a point of contention with fantasy football and all of those folks who like to play that is is, is Kareem chopping into carries and I think Nick's still going to get the majority of carries. I just think he's a he's a bell cow that they want to ride in a system that's so perfect for him. And I do think that he's going to get a good number of carries to to still be a, a you know, a big time factor in in pushing for a rushing title. So, look, I I think it's a smart deal. I think it's a fiscally responsible deal for the Browns while also placing some faith in Kareem. I'm sure there are some outs in there if anything were to happen again that they could get out of that contract if they needed to. I think they'd be smart to do that. I would expect them to have done that. And, um, yeah, just uh, it's good that Kareem is, is sticking around Cleveland. And, and hopefully, like I said, this this relationship can keep being one that works for both sides, getting Kareem's career on track and and uh, benefiting Cleveland's position at a place they don't want to pay a ton of money to anyway. So interesting, uh, interesting timing, interesting timing everything. It'll be just something that raises the eyebrow and and we'll be noting is as, as Nick's uh, rookie contract pushes forward into into year th- 3 and 4. So, um you know, and that's important to remember too, there is no 5th year option for him having been a second round pick. So, there's going to have to be some some uh some movement there. And uh we'll, well probably hear a point
2: here, Jake, sure. that, uh, while we're discussing it is also remember everyone listening that it's not just an investment in the running back position with cream hunt. It's also investment theoretically in your third wide receiver with his capability of using being used in that, in that role within the offense. So yes, you have Rashard Higgins. Yes. You drafted Donovan people's Jones, but at the same time, hunt's probably your third best target <laughs> in the passing game uh, among the wide receivers, not including the tight end. So that investment doesn't just reflect on Nick Chubb; it also reflects on where they could potentially go at the wide receiver position as well.
1: Yeah, um, that's a great point, especially one when, um, when you look at his whole profile as a receiver that is of of extreme note. Of certainly, a more dual threat, proven dual threat guy than the Nick is. Not that Nick can't do it, but but there's there's data in the background for Kareem there, and that's that's important. You can slide him around; you can move him as a. Jack of all trades type of player. I'm fascinated with how they're going to do that this year, where they're going to put him and align him, and uh, yeah, he's a really fun wild card in this offense. So this offense is what's so interesting because we've heard so many things about uh, you know where where this whole operation is going, where it sits, having been together three short weeks for for live football practice, and and it's just going to be a really fascinating situation in Baltimore, I guess. You know, I'm not here to preview the entire game. We're doing that at the OBR. We got film rooms up, we're writing pieces on it, but I'm I'm curious Sobo kind of like where you're at with this game going into it and sort of what you're expecting and um just like matchups maybe that that pop out to you at the top of your mind.
2: Well, I'm I'm probably looking in an area most people aren't simply because I've had the pleasure of speaking with Lamar Jackson's quarterback coach multiple times over the past year and I know which areas specifically that they've been working on to improve not only his game but the offense in general and so when I'm looking at it one of the things that the coach discussed with me was that he wanted to greatly improve Lamar Jackson's efficiency down the field specifically working outside the numbers and so you know what you're going to get from this team offensively from a run perspective granted it's a fantastic scheme and they've done a job building around Jackson as a talent but now how do you expand that playbook how do you continue to build on what you've already achieved and become even better and if you want to compete for a Super Bowl which is where Baltimore really is in their development as a program and so can you now take advantage of Marquise Brown down the field who has put on what 10-15 pounds of muscle this offseason that's been stated Miles Boykin now In his second year as well, Willie Snead, you went out and drafted Devin DuVernay, who's another deep threat. Can you take advantage of these matchups on the outside when you're opposing a Cleveland roster who right now, Grady Williams is still not practicing. Kevin Johnson, still not practicing. MJ Stewart just came back from in practice for the first time this week. You have transition and safety. You have your two veterans in Sendejo and Carl Joseph, but can you fully rely on Ronnie Harrison essentially a week and a half after trading for him? And so with those question marks on the back end, knowing where Baltimore's emphasized this offseason and things that they wanted to work on, to me that's just going to be a fascinating matchup to see how Cleveland responds and if they're capable of slowing that running game and not being exploited on the back end as a result.
1: Interrupting this podcast to remind you about SundayTicket.tv, including the ability to stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players no matter where you live. NFL NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most fantastic, glorious, awesome Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Again, visit NFL NFLSundayTicket.tv and use that promo code BLUEWIRE. Now, back to the podcast. It's how the Browns defense is able to handle it has become a huge point of contention, and I think the one that we didn't want to necessarily consider all too much I think most of the focal point of this Browns team going into 2020 and certainly the outlook for this team in general is tied to how well their offense is going to turn things around from last year. And um, I like that you're looking at it from that lens. Uh, I'd expect nothing less. I'm expecting Baltimore to put up points, if nothing other than a group of guys who had very little turnover on the roster and very little turnover, if any turnover in the coaching staff of positions that matter to keep the cohesion. And I think, I just think people don't understand how important it is to keep a system and verbiage the same from year to year. How important that is for a group of players, man, is is to not have to worry about coming in, studying the nuances and little Um, little parts of playbooks and systems that are so tricky to learn and you could do as much as you want virtually and listen that's great man but you you got you got to apply it on the field you got to go through it and there's so much timing with this group offensively that I'm concerned about and um, yeah the defense being banged up and the secondary and some of their you know pieces that we thought would be really intriguing for slowing Baltimore down are, are sort of uh, you know on on rock bottom I'm not sure what they're going to do in the slot maybe MJ Stewart plays a guy that we don't think anybody at least when he was claimed didn't think he was going to make the roster but here we are uh, among some other positions that are shorthanded too and how well um, Harrison's able to to shift into this this roster and this defense and they're just up against the wall with timing man and I would urge everybody that with same way we've urged People for months now to be patient with this thing. I don't. I don't expect them to come out of the gates guns blazing. I just think that that's a crazy expectation. Despite the talent, look, they've got talent at at some places, and that's great. But there's just there's so much going on there, and it's such a new environment and empty stadiums, and um, you know, just be patient with them. If they get blown out, I won't be surprised. If they hang around in this game, their coaching staff is so much better than last year. I wouldn't be surprised. So I, I have I have almost zero expectation going into this thing. And uh, I don't have any clue what to preview for you. Like, we haven't seen anything in preseason. You know, I know the Ravens have Calais Campbell and some other pieces that they've added. And and uh, Patrick Queen and their their linebacker group. And, like, they got some things going there. The Marlon Humphrey-OBJ matchup is going to be interesting to pay attention to. But we got to see these guys play. We have no data. We have nothing and, and, and I, something amazing I saw today is that in, in a matter of nine days, they're going to have two games under their belt. And that's kind of crazy because they turn right around and go with Cincinnati on Thursday night football. So we'll have a better picture for you at that time of where this team is, what they look like. But for now, the guess is as good as any. There's no great prediction for what this franchise is going to look like, what this offense defense is going to look like. Was you watch it and soak it up? We'll be doing the same things on our end. And, um, Yeah, that's just kind of where I'm at with it. So, man, I don't have any expectation for this game one way or the other.
2: You know, Jake, I already have our topic for next week, win, lose, or draw. Let's concentrate on those big boys and see how they protect Jedrick Wills in his first game because I think that's going to be utterly fascinating considering the transition he's making, the system, and the ways that they can kind of keep him and protect him from being on the island consistently.
1: Yeah, and especially, too, if Nick Harris starts at center, that'll be fascinating to watch. And that's, that's really what we'll be doing going forward, as we have Sobo on every Wednesday, a guy whose opinion I respect heavily on the offensive and defensive lines. We are going to do our best to give you as much data and film analysis as we can uh, about the interior of both sides of the football, talk to you about how the guys played up front um, offensively, Jedrick, Conklin all of them and uh defensively how the guys up front are handling things too so that will be our goal um and uh this will be the spot you come to so if you're if you're concerned about how uh, one of the guys played up front come in here listen to this podcast we're going to go back and forth talk about player grades what we thought of their performance all of that stuff so I'm excited about that sobo
2: hey I love digging into this stuff I'm just glad that we're having football again my friend and everyone knows who's listened to us regularly here over the summer that i watch wrestling with my son before i come on this is our game and carny lingo for professional wrestling the go home show is the big blow off before you get to the pay-per-view well the pay-per-view's here gentlemen and ladies who are listening it's time for the actual events to occur and i wasn't sure if we were ever getting to this point i'm just glad that we finally are
1: uh yeah me too man i i really am and it's pretty surreal that it's going to be here. You're listening to this on Thursday. We're recording on Wednesday night. We get a kickoff game between the Texans and the Chiefs, so we'll get our first taste of what these empty stadiums actually feel like and the pumped-in crowd noise. Um, that'll, it's a nice little appetizer for the Browns game on Sunday. That'll be uh, that'll be a totally surreal. By the way, Jake, I think yeah.
2: I was going to say the pump-piped-in crowd noise is bullshit. If you want to find out something interesting about football put no noise whatsoever, and just listen to them communicate on the field. That's when you'll really learn some things about football and get a different view of the game than a typical fan normally gets. So I hate this idea of, of them potentially piping in in sounds and everything along the way and trying to treat it like a normal game. Let's just lean into it and enjoy the differences, but I guess that's not going to be
1: the case. I'm with you, man. It would be really good for people to learn about that stuff, how teams communicate plays. I was actually interested in – And I think I talked to Jake Trotter about this when he was on uh, the OBR film breakdown pod that, you know, where teams would are typically used to cranking up those helmet radios. And like if there's nobody in the stands can can opposing teams hear those helmet radios like there's a lot going on there that they maybe you change to total hand signals. Maybe you have a guy, um, you know, on the sideline handling it. It would be more college based. I don't know. It would be it would be fascinating i think people would learn so much about what goes on on the field in terms of how players talk to each other how teams communicate how coaches communicate we saw a little bit of it with the xfl which was really neat um but yeah the nfl could capitalize on that maybe maybe they do in some form or fashion keep the crowd noise kind of coming in when plays arrive i I don't know I, i have no clue maybe maybe they'll surprise us who knows but um it's gonna be it's gonna be just it's gonna be weird once in a lifetime hopefully this is all we have to, to 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 see this sort of stuff. Hopefully, we can clear it up and have a normal football season next year. But, but um, I'm 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 so interested in what this is all going to look like. So, but anything to plug before we uh, separate here, bud?
2: Oh, well, if you're listening to this Thursday, which is when Jake will post it, I wrote Bleacher Reports' top fifty players for the top, for the 2020 campaign. I'm sure they're all wrong, and we're all idiots. But it's something to enjoy to discuss. And spoiler alert, Aaron Donald's not number one next year, or this year, I should now say, like he was last season.
1: Um I'm I'm gonna be reading that myself. Did not know you put that out. But uh make sure you guys are checking that over uh checking that out over at Bleacher Report and um you know, check in the uh forums as Sobo's very active in there as well and uh we'll be
2: also Jake, let me point out now that we finally got through all this hullabaloo and just uncertainty with everything i I should be able to finally get back on track for some draft coverage here this not this at the end of this week and going into next week as well so we've been waiting we didn't know exactly how to handle all this stuff i apologize that that kind of got discontinued and then we also had to deal with lane situation which was you know so tragic and unfortunate um that our roles got reversed a little bit so I'm hoping to get back into the normal swing of things and not only discuss offensive linemen with you each week, but also get dig into some NFL prospects for those conferences that are still playing football.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it'll it'll finally look I don't know what the Big Ten's doing, but but it seems like we have at least a clear picture of who's playing and who's not. So yeah, pay attention to that. We'll have draft content coming before long here. Um, as we start to see some games trickle in and uh, give us a picture on some of the prospects that are that are gonna be eligible for this uh, this this wild draft coming up so well thanks for joining me man as usual and uh, look forward to chatting a little uh, offensive line play next week. thanks
2: congrats my friend again and next week we'll actually get to dig into some coaches film I notice I don't say all twenty two I don't like those swanky things I, I'm old school man coaches film and you actually get to see real life football that hasn't been played months and months and months ago
1: yeah it's a holiday for me man i I missed my preseason where i get some new football so i'm excited to get that so shout out to sobo for joining us really appreciate him taking you know it takes a it takes a good amount of time here on a on a weeknight to uh to record these and i appreciate him taking that time before we part i do want to mention again our good friends at bet online um with their their great offer which football is back and it's uh um, we might not be able to go to a game this year, but you can still bet on all that action at Bet Online. And uh, they're going the extra mile to make sure you get every possible chance to win the season. So, for game spread totals, the team to player, and coaching props, they're all there. We're going to outline them for you here at, uh, at uh, the OBR as well. We're going to put those up some good betting numbers that you can take advantage of for the Browns this week. They give you more options to wager than anyone else. So, make sure you get there, um, get those bets in and get that opening season bonus today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, uh, division winners and championships and futures and uh, all that good stuff. So head to betonline.ag today. Take advantage of the great sign-up bonus. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. That's a wrap for today. Appreciate you guys joining us. We're going to have one more pod this week, and then next week we're going to have a little bit more of an ironed-out structure. We'll have uh, early in the week we'll have Fred, we'll have Jared Mueller, uh, Sobo, will, like I said, will be back uh, midweek every week to break down offensive line play with me and then we'll get John Stephenson involved here as well. A couple new people to follow. Johnny Kensley uh, is uh, brick wall Blitz. He's joined us. He's going to do some film work. He has a great thing up on Don Martindale's uh, different sort of pressures he was putting on the second half of the year to confuse defenses and how the Browns can handle that. And then Browns by Brad, uh, the young man who has some insider connections, who's done a great job with Browns roster reports, and he is joining us for some some insider tidbits. He's able to connect with people and uh, some different things. So keep an eye out for some of his work uh, and, and a little spotlight role with us, helping out and and uh, providing you guys at the OBRU subscriber some good inside tidbits he's collected along the way and uh, um, some connections he has inside the Browns building that have that have been really good for him and in, in predicting roster. Uh, situations as well so we're excited to have both of those guys join us today it's not too late um cbs all access is a part of that subscription and a a great way to watch the browns as well if you're a a streaming type of person as well so uh, many benefits of joining us at the obr we appreciate your time it's a little bit of an extended episode but i think there's a lot of good stuff here hopefully you enjoyed we will like i said be back later this week until then go browns